What's happening, my friends? Welcome back to The John Lovell Show. Today, we're hitting the streets in downtown Atlanta to talk to people about gun control and gun rights. So without further ado, we're jumping in the show. We will talk about what we saw in the streets, some surprising stuff that we were just musing about here in the studio. And also, I'm going to give you kind of a compact here. Here's a logical progression. I have four points that just dismantles and destroys. It's my silver bullet uh, to destroy anybody that would say anything against Second Amendment and the rightful traditional understanding of what it is. It all starts now. John Lovell Show and go. trust the government? No. Do you see a problem with that? Yeah. So if you don't trust the government, but they're the only ones with guns, what happens if they go like tyrannical? What if you have like a president, our next president? What if it's the person you don't want and now they're the ones that control all yeah, the guns? I take it back. I take it back. Well, what do you think? Oh, uh, the people. The people. So we're asking folks who they think should control the guns in America. Should it be the people or the government? What do you think? In like what context? Like who's in charge of whether you can have guns or not? Is it the people or is it the government that gets to decide who has the guns? Personally, I think the government. Do you trust the government? Not necessarily. So we're asking folks, who should have the control over guns in America? Should it lay with the people or should it lay with the government? What do you think? It should absolutely lay with the people. Got it. And, how come? Why? If it's in the hands of the government, they're more likely to be power hungry. If they can take away guns, that's, that's really terrifying because then what do we have to protect ourselves from a tyrannical government? Georgia State professor for the win, my bro. Where should the power over guns lie? Is it with the people or with the government? What do you think? With the people. 100% with the people. At the same time as they're being like a lot of government issues and a lot of mass shootings and things like that. I think the stipulations on who get guns should be stiffer, but it should be up to us. We should have the right to protect ourselves. We should have the right to defend ourselves. We should have the right to hunt. Where do you think the power over guns should lie in the U.S.? Is it with the people or does the government get to decide? What do you think, man? Oh, man. Like, oh, I hate this question. <laughs> yeah, because I'm from Europe. And in Europe, you all we have no guns and that's kind of safer feel safer but i don't know really because that's a complicated question do you see a problem with allowing the government to control who has guns when you don't trust the government no uh, not at this time i think it's more important to value like lives with um the issues that we're having with mass shootings and stuff and i don't know that that can be fixed right now without the government's help so where does the power over guns lie in America, in your opinion? Is it with the people, or does the government get to decide who gets them? Um, I think it's a mix of both. I think that the people control whether or not they own the guns, but it's the government's job to control how many and who can get the guns. Uh, so if the government can make rules that take away guns from people, isn't that contradicting the Second Amendment? So I haven't... I'm not like too versed on it. It probably is contradicting it. My opinion is this, like, 
as long as, like, it's kind of a weird, like, America, we always have a lot of shootings. People shooting schools, people going doing XYZ, and, like, these different events will trigger the government to want to go and change rules and, hey, regulate this, regulate that. It probably contradicts it. I feel like there needs to be some regulation because when the initial amendment was written, it was for, like, what, 1800s, 17, or whenever they wrote it. So it was a different time period, different people, different mentality. They also wrote the freedom of speech, and that's old. Should we do away with freedom of speech because it's old? No, but I think there should be stipulations on it. Like, I don't agree with, like, pedophilia and shit like that. I don't think you should... There's certain you shouldn't be able to... Like, if you're going out and you're spreading hate to people, you shouldn't... I don't think you should be able to go do that. But if you're just a normal person talking, you know, why not? But who decides what hate is? And it's just a... What if... I don't like your ideas. I call your ideas hateful, and now I get to legally silence you. I'd say that if, uh, example, let's say you're, let's say I'm spreading a message. If whatever message I'm spreading is causing people in mass to go do stuff they shouldn't do, then all right, maybe we need to stop whatever this person's doing, or at least let them know, like, hey, you're influencing people. It's more than just what you're saying at this point. You know what I mean? Well, who should control the guns in the United States? The government or the people? What do you think? That's a hard question. Um, I would say a mix of both. You do need the people to continue having their second, right? That's the Second Amendment, right? The Second Amendment rights of being able to understand and like know that this is a firearm. I should use it responsibly. However, I do believe that the government needs to impose some form of authority towards who can receive these and give people the proper training to use them. Because if we've noticed in any of these school systems, school shootings are a big thing. And quite literally, anyone can get them. Uh, Would you be surprised to find out that the majority of all the gun shootings are in gun-free areas? No, that doesn't surprise me at all. Why do you think that is? Because no one likes to listen to the rules. So if you make gun control rules, who are the only people that will follow them? I mean, I don't think anyone will follow them, but I do think it's important to... Good people would follow the laws, but the bad people won't. Wouldn't you be in danger of just just disarming the good guys? I don't think there's necessarily a good or bad person. I think there's a lot of nuance in that situation. But I do think, like I said, I do think control should be easier or like there should be more control over who is able to access a gun all right and now it's time for james cook that's right today we're talking about the med kit for your war belt that every other med kit wants to be check out our ifac video you won't want to miss it today we've got a two for john what do you got we actually have the hard copy book as it will go out. It's here. The one on the there on the it's a dummy one. It's not it's someone else's book, book with a faux cover. Uh, and so this is the actual book. Uh, and so here it is. I also recorded the audio version of the book, which is available for pre-sale right now. So pre-sale numbers count. Rush the door. And as you're checking out, you're opening up a new browser window and you're buying this book. You're awesome. I'm going to give you part of the audio book live. So, and I went all theatrical. Like I, I, I really got into the reading. So I'm into this. Let's have it. The propagandist had our statues taken down. They rioted and marched and demanded that we paper over where we came from. As or it's perfect. No, 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 we're doing things over here. You, you do you. I was thinking of like, man, I hope I don't mess up during this, and then I messed up. <laughs> you totally did. All right, Just here you be go. perfect. Just switch camera. Just make, make it actually. Yeah. All right. 
So you want to switch cameras? We just did. Yeah. As Orwell wrote, the most effective way to destroy people is to deny and obliterate their own understanding of their history. Today, history is being rewritten. Switch. Hey, I'll direct. You just read. Today, history is being rewritten before our very eyes, and many people are letting it happen. But this works only when individuals are compliant with corrupt systems that love power over truth. The warrior poet will not stand for such dishonesty and oppression. The buck stops with us. Now for some good news. But you have to buy the book. That's the good news. What's the good news, That is called a cliffhanger. (laughs) Cliffhanger. I like it. All right. Showtime, right? Let's do it. So one thing that popped out to me, which was pleasantly surprising, and we'll get to some of the stuff that was kind of yuckier. I don't like it. It still has a bad taste in my mouth. We're going to talk about all that stuff. But one redeeming quality of all the interviews I did out there. What do you think? We talked to like 35 different people, Mario. We talked to all... Talked to a whole bunch of people. Not one person got visibly angry, uh, upset with us. Nobody went off and got mad. And that's pretty encouraging in that everything I see on the internet, people are pissed at each other and yelling at each other. And really, it just looks as I'm watching all these different videos, I'm like, ah, civil discourse is broken down. There's no way people can even disagree and have conversations. And that may be true on the internet or it may be true social media or in the media, which really gets engagement and gets views by showing really upsetting stuff. And so it can build a narrative that everything is burning down, falling apart, and there's no way to even talk to people who disagree with you. I didn't find that to be the case as I was talking to many, many people that adamantly disagreed with us, but it was done in a friendly manner. Nobody really Mm -hmm. seemed to get angry. Did y'all notice that? Yeah, no, everybody seemed to be on board. I mean, I like what you're saying there is like, hey, we can disagree and still have a conversation because what we're told in the media is that we can't. If we disagree, then you're my enemy. Right. Yeah. Uh, why do you think you know that was the case? Well, it's because you're a good-looking guy, basically. I think you walked up with a lot of charm and a lot of that that dark brown beard hair. <laughs> I've lost the beard. Is it coming back? It's coming it is. back. Yeah, man, yeah. it's there. It's there. I want to talk All with right. you, John. That's why it works. This is this is awkward. This is awkward. <laughs> I, you know, I, I did my best to really take care of the person I was talking to. I didn't yeah. want to just slam them and win a point. I'm like, let's ask questions and let's have an open ended discussion. And so I was trying to be a really good host and trying to kind of be very friendly. And so that bought a lot. I feel like if I had approached them differently, it would have gotten very heated. Probably every interchange would have been, or most of the interchanges would have been ve- uh, bad and would have gone off the rails, but I didn't see that. And so I thought, oh, this was a good way to go about it and uh, bought good wins uh, for that. Uh, Another thing is I saw that uh, uh, some folks would say the Second Amendment was an old thing. And because it's old, antiquated doesn't apply to the real world here and now. Now, it was very easy to point out, well, like, oh, well, here's the First Amendment, though, of like First Amendment's free speech and right of assembly and freedom of the press and freedom of religion. If the Second Amendment's antiquated, First Amendment was written at the same time, is freedom of speech just an antiquated device that needs to be swept away into the annals of history and obscurity? Because what you apply to the First Amendment, you got to apply conceptually to the Second Amendment as well. And so if the Second Amendment is old and outdated, then perhaps the first is as well. And to me, that's just such a salient point. It's such a checkmate move that everyone's got to say, aha, yep, you're right. 
the First Amendment doesn't just apply to quill pens. It applies to all free speech across the internet or written on a computer, which they didn't have back then. The technology changes, but the human right doesn't. Here's the Bill of Rights, first, second, third, and, you know, all the, the amendments and the first 10, which comprise our Bill of Rights. Here are the rights that the government's not allowed to touch and ever change no matter what. And so these unassailable rights exist despite technological advancements, advancements that grow uh, on the back of them. I thought that would be such a good checkmate point. Right. But, yeah. For the, for the same reason, the Fourth Amendment <clears throat> obviously includes high-rise apartment complexes and all the modern ways of living uh, that weren't available back in the 1800s, right? The Fourth Amendment that the government has no right to just walk into a man's house right. and, uh, and and take it over. That's right. right. Well, you know, if, 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 you, if you say, well, that's an old thing, you know— uh, Whatever. I'm losing my train of thought. Whatever. Train wreck right there. Well, you, you didn't lose the train of thought. It was just a very short train. It was a yeah. short train. <laughs> it, it was like two cars and a caboose. It's like yeah. the short bus. But you actually, no, you got me, Ben, because as soon as you started talking, I was like, man, I don't know what the Fourth Amendment is. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't know. Yeah. So thank you. What I found, though, is people were ready to, in some ways, just dismantle or discard the First Amendment of like, well, hate speech, you know, like people shouldn't just be able to say whatever ideas that they have. And I just thought that that is absolutely asinine because the slippery slope that that creates opening that door just a little bit surely is going to allow the powers to be to fling it wide open. You'll give them an inch. They will take a mile because now all of a sudden, if I don't like your ideas and I control any institution of power, I can easily say, well, your ideas are hateful and therefore they're illegal and you're not allowed to say them. You get to be censored. That is an evil thought. That's a hateful thought. And no one can define what hate speech is. They just recall and say, oh, I don't like that thought. But the moment you say, no, hate speech is not free speech, you can just expand what hate speech means to any old definition you please. Practically speaking, it is the end of the First Amendment. That's not sensationalistic. It's just a fact. All speech is protected speech. It doesn't mean you get to you know, run through a movie theater yelling fire or something like that. What we're talking about is the promulgation of ideas. Your ideas themselves cannot be silenced. You you get your ideas. It doesn't mean you're not free from consequence, but you, the government or any mm -hmm. powers that be cannot say your speech, your ideas are wrong, and therefore, because we don't like them, we get to silence you. But people seem to be ready to give up that. And if you lose the ability to express yourself in language where you can't think certain thoughts and say those thoughts out loud, freedom is completely dead. It's dead. And so that baffled me that uh, folks would even make that point. The last thing that I observed that was very upsetting is, is just the, the logical disconnect of certain individuals. Uh, I wanted to argue certain points or ask questions kind of in the Socratic method to lead them uh, down a train of thought. But what I found is a certain percentage of the population that I would speak to seemed incapable of actual logical thought, critical thought. Instead, it's like their feelings and their thoughts were all jumbled together and they would hold completely contradictory views. And even when you pointed it out to them, they didn't seem aware of them. It's like they couldn't see that they were contradictory. They were okay with the contradiction. Like if I contradict myself and you point it out, especially I can look back and be like, oh yeah, that, that doesn't work. You can't have a round triangle. It just doesn't work. I'm like, okay, a premise must be wrong. Let me backpedal. But they weren't playing with the laws of logic per se. So they would have 
uh, ideas. Here, here's where it would come to bear is we talk about Second Amendment. I just point out of, okay, the Second Amendment was made so that the government couldn't make laws that controlled guns. Do you agree with that? I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you support the Second Amendment? I'm like, yes. And then they would understand what the Second Amendment was. Government can't make laws that control. And then you're like, but I also think the government should be able to control guns and make mm-hmm. laws. I'm like, well, you can't do that. You just you just said we agreed. Home team, Second Amendment, you were with me. I'm like, I support the Second Amendment, but. I'm like, no, no, no. It's a shall not be infringed. It's like, I do not agree with infringements by the government. But the government should totally infringe. And then you look and you point it out to him and be like, you see the problem here? I'm like, nope, I don't see the problem here. <laughs> Very frustrating. So, so the idea then was that they would reject logic if it conflicted with their feelings? Is that what you were seeing? Uh, so not quite. Before, I would have thought that. But mm-hmm. really, I'm realizing, no, it's not that it's two different buckets for them. Mm-hmm. For me, there's my feelings bucket, which I've cauterized and pushed way down so I could be the most masculine person on the planet. It's a feelings right. thimble. My feelings hurt me once, and so I destroyed them. No, no, no. If I got my feelings bucket, you know? John is an emotional guy, actually. <laughs> Sometimes I'll just be crying for nothing. Mm-hmm. Right before we started filming. <laughs> so it's a hall- it owes me just tacos. A oh. Hallmark, cur- Hallmark commercial the other day just had me deep belly crying. <laughs> Ugly cried. Ah, oh, John, that's gross. <laughs> So I got my feelings bucket and then like the logic bucket. And uh, when I'm really trying, I can really have like, all right, fix it. Don't try to fix it. Feel it. Listen to the misses. Let me just feel this with you. And the feelings bucket allows me to actually keep my marriage together. (laughs) It allows me to raise kids, not just to be strong, but actually they might like me when they're 19. Uh, You know, that's the hope is uh, feelings keeps us grounded to the world and tethered to the different relationships where all the joy comes from in life. Feelings are really important. They also indicate, you know, moral attitudes. And so it can be really, really good thing. Logic is also really important. It it connects me to the laws of the universe and critical thought and learning and education. Logic is absolutely critical. But the difficulty is, is when these two categories get fused together so that you're not capable of just logic. To them, it seems like logic and their feelings inserted you know, fused together. They weren't capable of divorcing their feeling from the light. It wasn't two separate buckets like it would be for you and I. It was one and the same, and it would hijack their thought processes. Mm. I feel like this, and therefore, because I feel like it, it can't be logically true. Mm. There's a theologian that I uh, follow that said it this way, that this generation uh, doesn't see—they see with, not through the eyes— they see with, not through the eyes. So everything is is visually, but it doesn't go to the brain. So they see everything with that the the lens of feeling first, but then it doesn't capture in the brain. I think that's mm-hmm. when you were talking about it. That's what it reminded me of. Well, it's it, hard to argue with that. It created quite a problem because I'd be at a loss of like, all right, I I just won this point, but they don't realize it, mm-hmm. and I feel like oh, I've got to jettison the whole 
Second Amendment or gun control talk we're talking about, I got to jettison that. And I'm like, all right, here's the laws of logic, the law of identity, the law of non-contradiction. Here's the law of the excluded middle. And I have to just break down simple logic, talk about critical. I've got to rewind education. <laughs> they to don't teach that in college so anymore, that, John. <laughs> so that I, I need to give you the tools to think in a linear and logical right. way with premise, premise, premise to an undeniable conclusion. And until I do that, there's no way I can win any argument with you. Because you don't have the logical tools necessary to formulate a logical opinion. And so that was maddening. Right. Well, I, it, it makes it, it – it kind of points out the fact that it's hard to – for them to define what truth is. Because if logic and emotion are so tied together that you can't separate the that's two. That's great. What is truth? That's great. Truth wow. is relative. Yeah, it what is. What do you think slash feel Man. truth is? Wow. And so, bro, that is – That's that, pretty tough. That is certainly, I think – part of the impulse of why people want truth to be relative, because it, it allows people who are high on feelings mm -hmm. to commandeer the universe and put it as subservient to what they wish it and will it would be. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy. It's mm -hmm. lunacy, but that's what they're doing. Here's something, another way that they had the kind of a logical disconnect is people would uh, say this happened multiple times out on the street. I'm like, should the power over guns lay with big brother with a state or should it lie with the person? And I think it just felt equitable to many folks who are like, I think it should be shared. And I'm like, how often is, is the state calling you on the phone and be like, Hey, we had this issue. Well, what do you think? You shared. Know? Like, let, let's share the power. I'm like, Hey, this is, this is supposedly a Republic where we elect officials that go represent us in the areas of government and they vote in accordance with what their constituents should be wanting. But they're not like calling us on the phone and chatting about it. And more and more, it seems like politicians gone rogue, vote for whatever they want. They take the briefcase of money. They give lip service to their constituency, vote any old way, or all the legislation passing through Congress now has these huge omnibus packages so that, you know, it has all this stuff. And so you can't even hold your representatives accountable to this issue, this issue, this issue anymore, because it's just this massive thing, and it allows the lack of any real accountability of our representatives. And so what it means is, is there's this huge disconnect between the state and the individual. There's no shared power. Our rulers right. rule us. That's what rulers do. They're not sharing power with you. And it was such just a naive uh, sweetie pie, yet gravely mistaken concept that we're, we're sharing and that the state is good intentioned enough and willing to actually share the power with the people. Other folks just blew my mind in that they trusted the state 100%. It blew my mind. I'm like, what do I say to that? Of like, yes, I, I, I do. I trust them. I'm like, Okay, well, we have nothing further to discuss. <laughs> Any other thoughts as you guys reviewed footage or anything no. on the street interviews? One follow-up I wanted to ask you, John, is was anyone able to take the next step and articulate what sharing looked like in their opinion? No. <laughs> Great. That's awesome, no, huh? Okay. Not even close. So It was just a, a, a squishy, feel-good idea of like, oh, yeah, we'll share. You're like, like, do you want to share your car with the government? Yeah. You know, how would that... I don't want to share my car with the government. Okay, so of all your interviews, was there one that specifically stuck out as most memorable or you like the way it went or, or what have you? Yeah, there was a Georgia State professor we mm -hmm. talked to 
And he just completely blew our minds. He's like, nope, blaze with the people, back off state. That's what the Second Amendment is. And we didn't have anything to talk about. We're just kind of like, Georgia State <laughs> like, professor. Cool. And I'm like, you are a college professor. I'm like, I, I guarantee you came from the business department. <laughs> right. You know, where like <laughs> academia meets reality. So he was not in philosophy. It doesn't in the humanities yeah. and stuff. You yeah. can just be have all kinds of disconnected, crazy ideas of how the world works. But business world, you have to actually meet the world where it's at Truth. if you're relevant. But well, that gives me some hope. That gives yeah, me some yeah, hope for college. Hope. But the humanity, man, humanities can get get just off the reservation. <laughs> Dude, he was like, blur my face, though, for this interview, if you put it <laughs> no, on the he was He was shoulders back, standing up straight, no tremor in his voice, no shake in his hands. Uh, he, he he was a lion. I'm like, yeah. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Yeah. I wanted to find out, like, what are you teaching? And I'm going to yeah. come to your class. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to come to your class. What is it? Gender studies, great. I'm a best-selling genders author. <laughs> you are. Yeah. Oh, oh. oh. So, shameless, shameless it's plug. Yeah, shameless, that was good. Shameless plug. That was pretty yeah, yeah. good. That's double shameless. Gender <laughs> author. That's funny. It's a true story on Amazon. Hey, John, um, I, I want you to share with me that story you said you approached a group of guys. Uh, one of them knew the brand. One of them knew Warrior Poet Society. And so they knew the brand, but then they had a different take, though, on the Second Amendment. So could you get a pulse on why they would affirm what you who you are, but then the core of what we do, not? Yeah, and I like the dude. I like that we appeal to a really broad audience. I thought he would be a little bit more wired tight with Second Amendment, and I thought he would agree with the First Amendment stuff as well, but he went on and made a case for, no, we got to protect uh, you know, people from any type of hate speech. And I'm like, oh, man, come on. But you know, some of our folks just tune in for fun gun videos. And that's yeah. all. They're not actually living the poet side. They're just warrior, uh, warrior and entertain me. And it's one of those things. And I'm like, man, warrior poet means so much more. I'm not going to do that. Mm. Uh, and so gotcha. that, mm. that was, that was a little disheartening, but I like the guy. I like mm -hmm. the guy uh, a lot. I felt like, man, if we could roll a little uh, longer together, uh, maybe we could, you know, uh, have some deeper chats and get a little further down the road. Uh, so anyway. let's get, let's get to the four points. All right, so moving on, I want to get to four points. It's like premise, 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 undeniable logical conclusion of the result. My best kind of most efficient shot at the heart of the gun control argument. Before we do so, I wanted to say this is our last JL show that we're going to be putting on YouTube. We mm -hmm. put it there for a time just so people see like, hey, this is what's up. And we're going to put this whole episode on YouTube. Usually it's just a clip, but this is the whole John Lovell show, which isn't going anywhere. It's just going to be on watchwpsn.com. This is where we can talk about the subjects that matter the most to us and make plans. We don't have to figure out, all right, how's the algorithm going to treat this here? And YouTube can just be more fun gun content, some interviews, and some more traditional stuff for the channel. So this stuff, the poet stuff, the stuff that matters the most is going to be on WatchWPSN.com and here's YouTube. We'll also have this show on podcast. If you want to check in on the podcast, but you can't scrape together a couple bucks a month to be able to support us, you can still get a good chunk of the show or perhaps the whole show. We don't know yet. Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe you know and I don't know. But it'll be on podcast. Check down below this link. Subscribe to our podcast and make sure you give us a five-star review, which is really, really helpful for us going forward. Now, let me get on to my four points. The first one is every mass shooting is stopped by a good guy with a gun. It's not stopped by a gun-free zone sign. It is not stopped by gun control policies. Many times when an active killer event happens, they're ignoring all kinds of 
laws. It's illegal to bring a gun into that gun-free zone line. It's illegal to shoot people, and yet they do. Perhaps they got that gun illegally. Perhaps they got it completely legally, but no gun control law and no sign stopped that mass killer event. What stopped it was a good guy with a gun, point one. Second point, we cannot realistically disarm the bad guys. Right now, as it stands, there are more guns in the U.S. than people. And so for the next foreseeable decade or three, those guns aren't just going to dissolve into nothingness. Those guns are going to continue to last. And despite whatever gun control laws you want to pass, the bad guys are going to have those guns. Three. Gun control laws will only disarm the good guys. The bad guys are going to keep their guns. The good guys will give it up. And once that happens, it's just, hey, what you've done is pave the road for bad guys to have a field day. It's shooting fish in a barrel. There's a reason that 95% of all the active killer events are happening in gun-free zones. It's fish in a barrel. Where do you think wolves hunt but in sheep pastures? Number four, politicians aren't getting shot. Did you notice that? You'd have to think of something that happened well in the past in American politics, but despite the public being very upset at uh, members of the opposite political party, we you know, do not like them, those people are not getting assassinated. Yet our kids are getting shot sometimes in schools. Our kids are protected with signs. That's it. You want to protect our kids, put good guys with guns in schools. That's it. The, the problem is solved. It is solved as soon as you protect kids like you protect politicians. We have the means. We, I just passed by this just palatial lower school, this huge building uh, in, in a nearby city. I'm like, man, that looked like so much money. And I was thinking the kids don't really care about how palatial and nice the building is. It's really just the content of the educational material you want of like, you can't tell me you can build this and you can't. Get a couple security guards at 25 bucks an hour monitoring the lives of the kids. I'm like, well, what kind of disconnect is this? The anti-gun politicians are protected by people with guns. So they're protected by people with guns as they take the stage. They decry the evils of guns and how we should eliminate them all. Then they get off the stage and are immediately still protected by those good guys with guns. They're, they're liars and they're hypocrites. The moment we start protecting our innocent with guns the way we protect politicians, you will watch the mass shooting events completely disappear. It is that simple. Four points. Mass shooters are stopped by good guys with guns. Cannot get rid of the massive supply of guns available to the bad guys already in the United States. They're already there. It's already done. It's not what you wish was true. It is what already is true. Gun control laws only disarm the good guys. Politicians are protected by guns and therefore are not being shot, but our kids are being shot by guns because they're protected by signs. If we protected kids the way politicians are protected, you would watch the mass shooting events happening in our schools completely disappear overnight. That's the debate. And I don't know how it's a debate. It's so stupid obvious. Dude, it is. So there it is. What do you do about it, right? It is so pathetically easy and simple. The answer to bad guys with guns is good guys with guns. It always has been. It always will be. The only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. And the moment we get serious and stop playing this propagandized game of let's disarm, disarm. You can't. You can't. All you can do is stand in the way of the bad guy. You can't just give the battlefield to them by surrendering all the good guys' guns. It's absolutely asset. It's lunacy. Don't fall for it. Protect your children the same way politicians protect themselves. That's it. With good guys with guns, and you will see our active killer events 
dry up, right? Let's move on. Man, I'm, my blood's up. Yeah. Uh, I need a break. Can we do a training tip? How about an expert training tip? Expert training tip? Let's have it. Let's go to it. Let's learn together. Here we go. Woo! Dang it. Hey, guys, this is Alan Baker, and we're going to talk about a training tip in relation to gun retention. Um, There's lots of them out there, but one of the things you want to take into consideration is the timing of the technique. You have three options. One, you can be ahead of time, one, you can be on time, or you can be behind time. This timing principle can apply to anything in relation to defensive tactics. We're just going to focus on uh, weapon retention today. So with that in mind, my goal is to practice to be ahead of time and be prepared to be behind time. So if I'm dealing with a gun retention, maybe I have a threat reaching for the firearm, um, my goal is to have a idea, a technique ingrained to the nervous system to catch it ahead of time prior to contact on the firearm. But also if I'm late or I'm in a situation where I didn't quite pick up the attempt and they actually make an attachment to the gun, regardless of where it is, I have to have some ideas in relation to that. Also, if they make an attachment and maybe they pull it out of the belt and now I have my hands on it and the threat has his hands on it, I need to have good ideas and techniques in relation to that option as well. So when you start to develop your ideas and put them together, make sure that you have good concepts, good techniques and ideas ahead of time on time and behind time in order to make sure that you don't have a gap in your training. Thanks, guys. Okay, so now this is something we normally wouldn't be sharing on YouTube, but since we're changing things up a little bit, we're going to go into our Q and ambush yes, section. I so like they're going to be able to enjoy this. is one of our favorite sections. I'm praying none of them are about gun control. I'm done Let's with see. that. I don't want to talk about it anymore. No, no, no. These are all pretty fun. Uh, th- these are some good ones. We're going to enjoy it. And, and uh, well, well, here we go. I'm just going to get right into it. This one comes from Steven. So he's curious about who comes out with more skills, tactics, and overall efficiency. Would it be an enlisted fresh from basic training or civilians that pay for ample private training, or are they even comparable? Who has the better skill set? Yeah, very hard to compare. Mm -hmm. For a soldier, the civilian with all kinds of great training is going to be entirely unfit to take the place of the soldier's job. Uh, you think of like, well, my splits are down, my reload's better than the soldier. I'm like, but he's been maximizing an entirely different skill set that you haven't even started touching. And that's small unit tactics. It's how to engage in a military context. He's building endurance where his feet are built like leather so that he can walk all day and carry heavy weight. And he understands chain of command and SOPs and team dynamics and uh, land navigation and low light tactics and how to work radios that you've never even touched and all kinds of things of fix and rotary wing aircraft and air support and medevacs and casualty collection points and sensitive site exploitations. And you're like, what is all that? And I'm like, exactly, exactly, civilian. You have just the hot shot, Instagram-tastic, amazing shooter would be wholly unequipped to jump in to a unit of a military soldier. You've got some gun skills, but that is just one tiny part of the bag of what military guys are um, accessing. Now, it's not to just, you know, rain on the civilian who's getting out and doing the training stuff because a lot of those skills are wholly great for the civilian context. But all of a sudden you just 
jump context and just join the military. And I'm like, hey, I can outshoot you guys. I'm like, great, but you suck at 98% of all the other stuff that's required to be an integral part of this team. You're a liability immediately. It doesn't matter your splits. You're a complete, utter liability that you have to be drugged through as you go up this. You need to go to basic training and start from zero because you're almost at zero. Good job being a good shooter, but that's all. That's all you got, and that's not enough. Uh, now, the civilian is ready. They have skills for the civilian world. And so I'm not saying of like, well, you suck because you don't know land nav. You don't need land nav. You got your smartphone. <laughs> You're doing just fine with, you know, it's like, all right, turn left in 200 meters. You're like, great. What, 200 feet or what, you know, whatever your statute is, 200-ish yards, you know, you're like, oh, there you go. Because civilians are like, meters? I have no idea what that is, unless you're abroad. And then you're wondering, like, why do Americans not know the metric system? Because we're crazy. We're crazy. We're like, you've been using metric for generations? Let's do our own thing. And we just invent some complete new and arbitrary way to judge all distances. So that was a bit of a rant. It was. But civilian, you're doing a good job in your context. It is not helpful in a different context and vice versa. The military guy, when he leaves and becomes a civilian, he's got to get different pieces of training of like, he's not learning concealed carry. He, he is, you're doing better than him in your context and you're doing worse than him in his. So it's completely different worlds that you can't just flow in and out of regardless of how much multicam you put on. Cool. Now, I like that. I'm glad you covered that last part at the end because that was going to be my question. Yep. What about the guy coming from the military to civilian life? Nope. I had to learn how to do pistol when I got out. And yeah, I got pistol in range battalion, mm -hmm. but it was just kind of like a qual. And I, I didn't realize until I got out and really started running a pistol. I'm like, man, I I suck at pistol. What and that was shooting? upsetting to me. What were you shooting in ranger battalion? Was that Bretta's? Mm-hmm. Did you like them? I'm a dinosaur, bro. That was all right. Yeah. But I'm kind of like, you know, like, why would I want that? I got an M M4, bro. <laughs> right. M4. I'm, I'm, yeah, I was, uh, when I got out, I was a squad leader of a uh, weapon squad. So I had three mm. M240 Bravo machine guns. And some of them had, you know, M9s. I'm like, all right, those are cute. Those are cute. That's, <laughs> that's nice. You want an M9 like when you're in a vehicle and you can't, like, uh, get mm. something around. And, yeah. You know, when you're on a guard shift and uh, it's kind of like inside a building and you, you wonder whether you are you got some, you know, indigenous or you got some Terps that are going to try to off you in your sleep. You just kind of walk around with an M9 pacing the halls because you don't want to carry your big rifle when you're in <laughs> Ranger panties and flip flops. Got no context for what you're talking <laughs> no about. No worries. I keep looking at y'all like, you know, and yeah. you don't We're know. like, yeah. no. I'm trying to agree. Yeah, I no don't. Idea. Yeah. It's okay. Don't know, John. You definitely lost me at Ranger panties. That, I've got, no. I've got cats. So it's just, re, it's like really light running shorts. So okay. a lot of people have like picture of like, what are you wearing? I'm like, no, it's, it's just, it's, it has to do with little shorts. Now that now, I say it, I'm kind of like, I know, yeah, you walk around little shorts and a nine stuck right in the front. You, oh, you hold funny. it in your hand. You're just rolling dirty down <laughs> the hallway. Oh, that's funny. Okay. No, I'm glad we, I asked. We've covered that one. <laughs> moving on. Yeah, moving that one. Uh, <laughs> okay. On. This next question comes from Robert. The, the title of the email was CCW for big guys. Uh, he's making some changes to, to lose some weight, but in the meantime, what's the best CCW position for horizontally gifted warriors is what he said. Now, and he also mentions uh, Shameless Plug. For reference, he's carrying a war poet MR920. What's the best weight, uh, best place for a, a larger guy to carry? Well, and thanks for rocking the war poet, man. That is an awesome gun. That's, that's my gun of choice, so way to go, bravo. 
Uh, it's hard for me to say this next part because you're like home team. I'm like, rock on, man. Thanks for carrying our gun, but you're on it. Lose weight. Uh, your weight is taking up the space of your carry options. It's making it harder to conceal and it's making it less comfortable. So, bro, watch the calories, more meats, and less of everything Jeez. else. Now everyone's like, whoa, whatever. You got to just eat bunny food and you'll be amazing. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I don't care to break into that. I'm just being like, man, uh, cut down and everything is all of a sudden easier to answer. So, um, if more calories are being burned than comes in, you cannot possibly keep weight on and you'll be far better for carrying concealed. That being said, I have never been a big guy. And so I'm not one to say, but you want to check out the three o'clock or the four o'clock position would be the obvious next steps. And so I would figure that out. And then you're probably going to have to wear really baggy clothes around to help it really conceal. And so until that time, you probably check out three or four o'clock. Uh, so here, here. So uh, try that out, see how it works with you. But you already know what you got to do. So do it. Rock on, man. I'm, and I'm in your corner. I'm rooting you on. Rock awesome. on. Awesome. Uh, next question comes from Chase. Uh, he, he loves the show. Uh, what do you recommend for a holster option when wearing lighter clothes, like gym shorts for a hike or a jog? And second question, do you have any other recommendations for backup tools if you're somewhere that requires you to remove your EDC weapon? Like, like what else should you have for protection? Sure. So I'll have uh, my favorite holster is a tier one holster. I also like the T-Rex holsters. We carry both on our website. So if you'd like to support us there, we would appreciate it. Um, there are bigger and smaller holsters. And so oftentimes I'll have the gun itself and beside it is a mag carrier, which allows me to have a spare mag. Sometimes I don't want to carry that much bulk or I'm wearing shorts or something. And so I'll get a smaller holster that doesn't have the spare mag uh, mag carrier. And so those options are available, and so I dress down. In my backpack, I've got the, uh, the extra holster, so I can easily just swap it out depending on what I'm wearing. I also have uh, other holster options, which is the small holster. Uh, I have some where I've switched out the belt clips for the ulti clip option. And so the ulti clip option lets me take a clip that goes straight on to even running shorts, and I don't even have to have a belt. This is the type of holster my wife also carries. I'll have a link down below directly to it. Just know when then you check out with it, you'll want to go down and toggle ulti clip option. And that's what you get for your wives when they're not carrying a belt. So check out the link so it'll steer you to the right thing and select ulti clip as you go down. And so that'll help immensely. Uh, other options, if you're like, all right, I just can't carry, uh, carry a gun on my waist, I'd say, well, a pocket knife would be a, a good thing. And so whether it's the clinch pick, which I really like for gals to be able to carry, uh, you could do that. Uh, you know, there's our uh, push daggers as well, and you can have an ulti-clip option for those. You can just take an ulti-clip and put it on there and be able to mount that. You can also do like something like a sock P dagger. I've been wanting to carry them on our website for a while. They're hard to get, mm -hmm. and hopefully by the time you view this, we'll, we'll have sock P daggers on our uh, website because I like that option, and it's just another kind of thing that's philosophically like the uh, um, clinch pick. And so anyway different options in your hat. You can also go to something like pepper spray. Uh, you know, you can dangle it on your keychains. Just if you get pepper spray, get it from a reputable company and you'll want to get not just the one you carry, but you want to get a few that test so that you can shoot that thing and acquaint yourself with how, 
how big the spray is. A lot of people are unimpressed. They expected something like a fire hydrant of poisonous hate. And it's really just this like little trickle. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I can hit somebody in the eyes. I'm like, well, you better practice and have some idea of what's going to happen. This thing doesn't have recoil when it hits. It's this little spray. And it's also the chemical will weaken over time. And so you have to pay attention to the expiry date. If it expires, now it's a test. Now you get someplace, don't spray it into the wind and kind of test your thing. That one, it does not last forever. So pay attention to the expiry date. Also, you never leave it in hot and very cold places as temperature changes really hot or really cold will uh, spoil your pepper spray. So if you have something, you've had it for a really long time and you don't even know when you got it, that thing is probably no good good anymore. Go shoot it, go practice with it and get a new one. And so those are all different options for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Better still is make sure you have some type of martial arts training and you're trained in some of the situational awareness, criminal psychology, reading threat indicators, all that stuff is really, really important. That is the stuff that really will save your life because you see the attack before it happens so you can remove yourself from the X before you even get on the X, that's a better way to do business. And that is probably more important than guns and knives and any of that stuff. I've got older videos where I really jump into that. We'll provide links down below so that you can find those videos readily accessible. That's really good stuff to arm yourself with. Let's hit our next question. That is our quest. Those are our questions for today. And, and look, Chase actually wraps it up for us well. He had one final point. He said, uh, I was also wondering if I could get a product in the WPS store. It says, I've invented a thought-operated air freshener. It makes sense nope. if you think about it. Dad joke. Dad joke. It's he the dad it. joke. He it's said that. Joke. He said, He said. hey, feel free to use this in the dad jokes. Chase, thank you very much. You are bringing us into our final segment. John, do you want to take us home? I thought that a thought-operated air freshener mm-hmm. meant he was just, he had beans for lunch. Fair. And yeah. the... We had a, a, a diametrically different opinion on what freshening two, the air meant. Two different yeah, directions. Yeah, I, I thought he was going a completely different direction with that. That being said, this was a fantastic show. Guys, we're gone from YouTube. This is the last jail show that's showing on YouTube. You can listen in on podcasts still in the future and to actually watch the show in its totality. You got to watch WPSN, sign up, make sure you download the app after that, and you can tune in. We're not going anywhere. We love this show. It's fun. It's right up our alley. It's important stuff, the most important stuff we can come up with in life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, godliness, family, all the stuff that gives life its season and purpose and value, the good poet stuff that keeps us uh, moving. And so we'll be on those things. Uh, We are back uh, next week, and then we're taking two weeks off, and then we're back up. We haven't taken a a break since the show started, so we're here next week, and then two weeks off, and then we're continuing on, driving on. I, I got some travel stuff I'm doing Uh, some things. And so anyway, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll end with some dad jokes. Thanks so much for tuning in. Peace. What do you call a uh, T-Rex that sells guns? What? Small arms dealer. How can you tell it's a dogwood tree? A dogwood tree? I don't know. By its bark.
Got this, dude. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We're gonna tell Chad a dad joke. <laughs> it's perfect. This is a perfect joke for her. Alright. Sayla's happy. Her winter fat's gone. So now she's got spring rolls. <laughs> that makes it so much cuter when they're looking at me like that. <laughs> Look at her.